welcome to our Church at Home online service, week 25. And as you guys might notice, things are just a little bit different today because we have been doing this for 25 weeks, and now we're going back to the building, back to gathering together, that we might find ourselves, listen, encouraged by one another. I was just talking to my good friend Ty in the back as we were getting things warmed up. And we were talking about how each and every one of us are made differently, uniquely, and this is the best part, purposefully. That God made us, men and women, differently. Have you noticed that men and women aren't the same? They're equal in God's eyes, but they different. And not only are men and women different, every single person is made uniquely and equally in God's image, but with a diversity that you bring to the family of God your experience, your testimony, who you are, your giftings and your callings. And so as much as we have done our best to produce material and services for you at home, it's God's intention that we gather together to learn from each other, to encourage each other, to both give and take and to grow in the body of Christ. So that's what we're gonna go and do as we move back into phase two here in Lincoln County. That's our hope and attempt. Right now we're in phase one, and so we have less than 25 people here. What do I got, two, four, six, eight, ten, about 12, something like that here at the church this morning, putting all this together. And then I got some announcements I'm gonna roll through today. But here's what I want you to do first. I want you to help us to get this message out there today. So copy and paste the link and put it on Facebook or YouTube and share it, invite your friends, tag somebody, and tell us where you're watching. Maybe take a photo and let us see your watch Party. I know Pastor Marty's at his house with his watch party there right now. And guys, we want to celebrate what God has done and is doing, and we want to participate by getting that word out there. I'm going to go through a few announcements because guess what? A lot of things are happening this week, things that you've never heard of, things that are brand new, things that you need to participate in, and also celebrate that God is still doing things here in Lincoln County. And then we're going to go into a time of worship. I'm going to have Pastor Ryan come up in just a minute. And that's going to be a time where we give God the honor that he's due. I love worship here. One of the, I love worship because it, it gets me off my, my high horse. It gets me out of the, the ditch. It gets me right back where I need to be when I worship God because he's worthy of it. And so we're gonna do that in just a few minutes. But guys, I'm gonna go through these announcements so we can get right into Revelation 17. Here's the announcements that are happening here around the area beginning tomorrow night at Calvary Chapel Corvallis, 6 p.m., Men's Steak and Study. That's happening all the way over the hill. 10 bucks gets you some worship, time in the word, time with God's guys, and I'm gonna be speaking. So pray for me if you can't join us. But guys, that's happening at Calvary Chapel Corvallis, the last Steak and Study of the year, August 31st. Outdoor Amphitheater is going to be legit. Also, Celebrate Recovery is back meeting. They've been doing Zoom throughout the last 25 weeks, and now they're back in the building this week. So 6 p.m., guys and gals, we're going to set up the sanctuary in a way where we can physical distance and keep everyone safe and stay above board and make sure that we do what we're supposed to do, but it's back in the building. So if you've been missing Celebrate Recovery, if you went once and haven't gone in 25 weeks, Come back this Tuesday. Check that out. Young Adult Group also meets at Adam Durkin's house Thursdays at 6.30. You can contact him and check this out also. September is like in two days. So the Missions Committee meets once per month, and they're going to meet on September 7th at 7 here at South Beach Church. So come check that out. If you want to pray for our missionaries and hear about what's going on in our missionaries' lives, you can do that. Also, our youth group has two events planned this week. So you have a middle schooler and a high schooler. There's two events. Wednesday night is going to be a movie night here at South Beach Church, outdoor movie night. So you're going to need a parka, a tent, probably a space heater, something like that, because it's going to be cold out. But that's happening at 6 p.m. here at South Beach Church for our middle schoolers and high schoolers. And then the very next day, uh, Thursday, September 4th, there's a Bible study at 10.30 a.m. Is that here at the building, Rory? Yeah, here at the building? 
It's online. Come on, bro, you gotta tell me this stuff ahead of time. It's online, don't be here at the building. But the, the outdoor movies, not online though. That's here, okay, check that out. That's happening, our youth group's doing stuff. Join them online, Zoom. You can contact southbeachchurch at gmail.com for more information about that as well. And then check this out, write this down, don't miss it. Next Sunday is September 6th. It's an anniversary of sorts. Next Sunday, September 6th, is 26 weeks from March 8th. March 8th was the last time we were here at the building all together celebrating, and then on March 13th, we went online, and we've been online for a half a year. <laughs> a half a year! That's so long. If you would have told me then that it was going to be half a year, nobody would have believed it. Nobody would have been able to even compute it or to process it. But hey, we did it. We did it, it's been half a year. So September 6th, half a year, we are going to have an outdoor service, not at nine o'clock, but at 11 o'clock, because nine's way too early. At 11 o'clock, outdoor service on the west side of the building. We're gonna set up stages and tents, and you're gonna come in and drop your people off and go park elsewhere. You're gonna park at the aquarium, park at the hotels, you're gonna park at the college, you can park in Walport, you're gonna park off campus, and then walk in, bring your own chairs, bring your own blankets, bring your own stuff, and we're gonna physical distance outside, in case we have more people outside, and we're gonna worship God, and we're gonna bring the word. 11 a.m., one service only. It'll be online for you people who uh, maybe are out of state or out of county or maybe aren't ready to join back with in-person meetings. Next Sunday, it'll be online, but also here at the building with a huge gathering in Jesus' name. And I'll just tell you right now, I'm meditating on what to teach because we're in Revelation 17, which means that next week we'd be in Revelation 18. I'll tell you what I'm not gonna teach next week. Revelation 18, for sure I'm not gonna teach that because it's hardcore, it's crazy. What I'm probably gonna teach is an overview of the life of Joseph because Joseph had a call in his life and God put a vision in his life, for his life, and yet Joseph's life wasn't just six months of difficulty. It wasn't even just six years. It was decades of difficulty. And yet at the end of Joseph's life, Joseph was able to say, I see, I see what you're doing, God. I see what you're doing. You're actually doing things. You're always, even when I can't feel it or can't see it, you're doing things. And we're gonna celebrate six months into this craziness that our God is supreme. Our God is sovereign. Our God is doing things in our hearts and in the lives of believers and non-believers alike. And he's not even done yet. God has a plan for the future and he has a hope for us to hold on to. So that's next Sunday. And then the 13th, guys, I don't even know what the 13th is gonna be like. It's gonna be another Sunday. We're either gonna be in the building, three services at 10, 12, and two, or we're gonna be outside again because we had so much fun. We're gonna do another service. You're gonna have to really pay attention for the service schedule on September 13th. Also, additionally, this week, brand new for our women. Women's Bible study starts up on Zoom Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. Okay, guys, if you haven't done that, ladies, check it out. Contact Pastor Adam Durkin or southbeachchurch at gmail.com. You can connect with Ula and she'll help you get connected on Zoom with our ladies as they begin again their September Bible study. And what they're going to be doing is going through the five by five by five reading schedule together and extracting truths and principles and applications from God's word. We're in 2 Corinthians right now, so make sure and get excited about that as well. Last but not least, as I just mentioned, the five by five reading program. Today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. So if you guys, I've been reading 2 Corinthians and I've been loving Paul's heart toward the church at Corinth because the church at Corinth was a church gone wild. Man, they had gone nutso. And so Paul loved them. And even in chapter, or the book, book one, he had to warn them and rebuke them. And he, in chapter 7, for 2 Corinthians 7, he apologized. He's like, you remember that letter I wrote you guys? Sorry. He says, you know what, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> he says, I kind of regretted sending it. 
but I actually don't regret sending it. I'm sorry that it made you sorry, is what he says in 2 Corinthians 7, but I'm actually not sorry it made you sorry. Because when it made you sorry, your sorrow led to repentance. And he talks about that godly sorrow that when you and I get out of our lane, when we have a bad attitude, when we do something we shouldn't do, oh man, it's our conscience. It, it hurts. And God says, yeah, I gave you that. I gave you that in order to, to get back to fellowship with you. And so guys, I want you as Christians, as we prepare to worship, and I'm gonna have Pastor Ryan come up. He's gonna lead us in a set that no matter what's been going on in your life, maybe, maybe Paul's words would echo you, that exhortation to follow God, to seek him, to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, keeping your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus Christ. Have you been doing that for the last six months? Or have you gotten distracted by the things of the world, the talks and the conspiracies? Or maybe even worse, maybe you've gotten off your path and things have fallen to the wayside and you've, you've walked in some rebellion or sin or shallowness. I was talking to Pastor Ryan before the service began. It's because it's been a while since we've done this. I said, in the last six months, I know the Lord has, man, he's taken me on a journey. And I don't even know where we're going. I don't even know, what, what, what's God teaching us? What am I supposed to learn through this? What am I supposed to do next? What's the church supposed to do in a pandemic, in, in a real crisis? And the Lord is faithful. Like Paul was faithful to the church at Corinth. To, to give you your medicine. To give you the truth give you what you need to hear from him in that moment. The real impetus, importance, isn't on if or how God's going to do his job. He, he'll do it. The real impetus or importance is on how you'll do your job. Will you respond? The same sun that brings life to the plant, brings softness to the ice, is the same sun that brings death to the desert, hardness to the clay. God is shining. God is doing stuff right now. How are you responding? If you've blown it, if you're all messed up, you're watching online and you're putting an angry face and you're all mad or whatever's going on, whatever's happening, may the Lord, may the Lord soften our hearts. May He do for us and in us what only He can do. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and pray. And wherever you're at, maybe you're here in the sanctuary, you can stand with me and I'm going to get down off the stage. I'm going to worship for two reasons. Number one, because God is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our admonition as we admonish him and exalt him. But we are needy. We're gonna learn this today in the Bible study, but naturally you guys are, you're all worshipers. You worship something. Your allegiance is to something. It could be to yourself. It could be to a system. It could be to a comfort, to experience. And God says, I want nothing to get in the way of your relationship with me. Nothing. I've gotta be at the top. I've gotta be at the top. So Lord, in Jesus' name, would you help us to rearrange our hearts and our minds even now, this morning, this Sunday, Lord, with all the technology and the streams and the mics. I don't even know if people can hear me out there. But Lord, you're good. You're good. And we want to order our steps and order our thoughts and order our mind and order our hearts towards you, Lord. So would you use worship for that? Set us free. And I thank you, Jesus. We have nothing to worry about. We're going to see that. We have nothing to worry about. Because you got a plan. You've been faithful. And you'll be faithful still. Bless this time now, Lord, as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.
shall find fall down To you our hearts are open Nothing here is hidden You are our one desire You alone are holy Only you are worthy God Let your fire
your spirit flow here and now you're all we need Jesus you're all I want you're
Revelation 17. Revelation 17 is where we're at in the scriptures, and we're going through the book of Revelation. We actually took a hiatus, a 22-week hiatus. The last time we were in Revelation, week upon week, was in March, and for 37 weeks, we've been studying this book, and now we're in chapter 16, 17, and 18. I would say it's the culmination.
culmination. It's the finish line of the judgment of God on a God-forsaking, Christ-rejecting, sinful world. It's important that you understand that narrative. As a matter of fact, I was talking to Pastor Rob Verdine uh, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, and he said because of the coronavirus, because of what we call that backdrop of a global pandemic, and then things hadn't even developed as they have now, but now it would add in, not just because of the global pandemic, but because of the social unrest and the rioting and the looting and the protesting, some of which is necessary to bring change, but some of which is unnecessary that it's bringing catastrophe. And because of all that, listen, with the shakeup and the wake up, most of us would easily agree we need some help. Like nobody right now is looking around saying, we got this, it's fine, it's fine. You know, you see the, the fire dog sitting in the middle of a house on fire, it's fine, <laughs> this is fine, and it's not fine. And so when we read the book of Revelation, we see that God is bringing judgment to the world. And some people, a lot of people over the years have said, I don't like that, I don't like that at all, not into that. And yet honest people, people who, who know better say, Dude, if you only knew how much judgment I need. I've shared my testimony before when I was arrested for fake IDs back in 1997. And I knew that that, oddly enough, was the answer to my prayers. Lord, help me. I'm in too deep. I can't turn around. I don't know where the exit is. And the Lord grabbed me and took me through the trials and errors of my own ways. And he got my heart. And so right now, check this out. We're in Revelation 16, 17, and 18, which is the ending of the culmination of the judgment of God from God on planet earth now guess what it's a futuristic promise it's a prophecy most of the bible most of the bible is actually historical in nature that is we learn from historical characters and scenes in the scriptures and teachings from jesus and we see what happened with the guys and gals and we're like oh that reminds me of me sometimes and tomorrow night i'll be at calvary chapel corvallis stake and study and i'm going to teach on jonah jonah and how he heard a clear call from god but he resisted and rejected that call and God was relentless in his pursuit of Jonah. You know what I'm gonna teach that? Because I know that story. I know it well. Man, I've done it, I do it. And I wanna learn from it. I don't wanna go swimming in the belly of a whale ever again. And so I'm gonna teach that story tomorrow night, but here's the deal. The difference with Revelation is that it's not a story of things that have happened, at least not these chapters, but it's a promise of things that are going to happen. As a matter of fact, let's just, remind ourselves what it says in verse 19 of chapter 16. I'm going to read it to you. It says, now the great city was divided into three parts. This is Babylon the Great, the mystery, the harlot. We'll talk about that today. And great Babylon was remembered before God. That means that all the stuff that Babylon had done, this political, commercial, religious, false system, God says, I see all of that. <laughs> you ever do stuff and think God doesn't see? What a trick. God sees everything and everything, listen, will be seen. Okay, don't believe the lies. When you think that nobody knows and it doesn't matter, everybody knows and it does matter. Well, anyways, all the stuff that Babylon has done will be remembered before God, listen, to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. What? Then it's described. Then every island fled away and the mountains were not found and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail since that plague was exceedingly great. Stop right there. Eyes up here. This is a future promise of what's gonna happen. Two, two things. God's gonna judge the world. Okay, it needs to happen. It's, it's obvious. It's out of control. It's, just, it's not gonna self-correct. But the thing that's interesting to me is that when God pummels the earth with hailstones. 
when hailstones, but the, the pound, size of a talent, about 150 pounds or so. It's like me flying through the air when I was in high school, you know, younger, lighter. And, and God does that. The response of mankind is blasphemy and rebellion. <laughs> I've gone to the Lincoln County Jail numbers of times to visit people. And when I go to Lincoln County Jail, I see people on the other side of the glass, and there's always one of two attitudes, one of repentance and remorse. Oh, dang, dude, I blew it. Here I am. Man, oh, shoot. You know, we pray. It's awesome. <laughs> then, then there's another attitude I've seen. I've experienced dozens of times from inmates on the other side of the glass. They're saying, bro, man, they don't know. I'm innocent. This is crazy. I can't believe I got arrested for that. You know, I'm like, bro, you're the one in jail. And, and this attitude within humanity when we get disciplined or called out on our stuff is sometimes rebellion and blasphemy. You know what blasphemy literally means? Most of us don't understand that word. We think blasphemy means to take the Lord's name in vain, which it does. But blasphemy in this context literally means it's not my fault, it's God's fault. <laughs> it's their fault. It's not my fault. I'm not gonna take ownership for this like our governments right now, blaming people and letting stuff go crazy. Ownership, you gotta own it. Like, like we saw in 2 Corinthians 7, that godly sorrow has to lead to a, yeah, to it's me. It's me standing in the need of prayer. And in situations in your life, listen right now, especially if you're a believer, because you're probably not part of the problem, the Babylonian system, hopefully you're not. But you also have problems too. You're part of your own problem. And in your life, you have two options whenever you get busted, whenever hailstones come down in your life. You can either become better or you can get bitter every single time, every single time. And I want to encourage you right now, if you're in sin, being called out, being corrected. Don't deflect. Don't blaspheme. Don't deny. Don't minimize. Don't diminish. Don't blame shame. Don't side shift. Own it. Don't waste the pain. If you're in the woodshed right now, man, let it have its way. I had a root canal by Dr. Ari Binder a couple weeks ago. And I was sitting there and Ari was going down. I told the story. He was going down in the root and the root was kind of taking a little dog leg at the bottom there, kind of like hole number seven at Olala or something like that. And going down. And he, and he couldn't get it. And, and I was rooting for him while he was rooting my canal. I said, hey, don't quit till you're done, bro. You can't be leaving any root in there. You got to get all that stuff out. And when you're in trouble, when you're there, let the Lord have his way. I've been to the woodshed more times than I like to admit. And the reality is that I've learned to trust the Lord in that process. Guys, let's just be honest. Hailstones, about the weight of a talent, crushing planet Earth, dude, it's, it, should, it, should, it, should, it should scare you a little bit. It should shake you up. It's going to happen. We don't know if they're gonna be supernatural hailstones or if it's going to be natural hailstones from the calamity of the world war that's gonna happen. It says in verse 20 that the islands will flee away and the mountains are not found anymore. Remember that bomb that just went off in Lebanon and in Beirut? And when that bomb went off, the port that it was at was all of a sudden no more. It was a crater. It once was level and it's gone. The things described here are these hailstones and mountains and topography changing parallel what happens with a nuclear exchange, with atomic fallout. I don't know what's going to happen. It could be God alone or it could be God acting using the authorities of that day in the early decades ago when they were testing atomic bombs and nuclear weapons and in the Bikini Islands there before we bombed Hiroshima, some of the bombs would go off and hailstones would come down and the water would go so high from the explosions it would freeze and come plummeting to the sky and bust up the submarines and all the rest. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know this, that when God disciplines you, it's a gift. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 
chapter 11, says that discipline <laughs> is not fun. I got my 12-year-old son back there. Can I get an amen from my son? It's not fun. But when that discipline has had its way, you come through on the other side with wisdom, peaceable fruit, and righteousness. God, God is not also rushing. I said this last week. He's not rushing to judge planet Earth. He's so patient. We're in chapter 17 today. I'm going to get there in a minute. Just give me, give me a break. And we're going to get to chapter 17. And it's as if God says, okay, I'm going to give you seven seal judgments to get your act together. And I'm going to give you seven bowl judgments. Those are coming up. Seven seal judgments and then seven trumpet judgments. You ever sleep through a trumpet? You can't. It'll wake you up. And then in seven, after the seven trumpet judgments come the seven bowl judgments. And it's as if God's saying, look, I'm going to give you 21 judgments and seven years of tribulation. And even throughout all that, you know what you can do? You can cry out to me. They're called tribulation saints. People that during this time will actually repent, recant, disassociate themselves from the Antichrist. That's a future thing. Okay? It's, not, it's not really even our problem. Like, I'm not going to be there. Rapture's going to, you know, we see that in chapter four. Come up here, the Bible says to John. But until I'm raptured, I got my rapture socks on right now, by the way. I don't know what you got. But until I'm raptured, the Lord is searching my heart. And I want to become better, not bitter. Well, check this out. Check this out. John's watching. <laughs> Remember John, 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 he's there watching this plague be poured out. And he's literally at this point astonished as he's seeing it happen. It's as if this angel has empathy on him. This angel comes up to him in verse one of chapter 17. Let's get through this chapter now because we're going to take the whole thing and get after it because there's no 11 a.m. service coming in today. So check this out. It says, then one of the seven angels, verse one of 17, who had the seven bulls came and he talked with me saying to me, come, and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Stop right there, eyes up here. A few things come to mind. <laughs> Number one, I love how this angel describes this harlot. Two whole verses. This is like, come on, angel, tell me how you really feel about this harlot. <laughs> the kings have been drunk with fornication and made the peoples drunken. This angel sees things better than you do. The Bible actually tells us that the angels are watching right now, planet Earth, and they're tripping. And when they're watching planet Earth tripping, they're looking up at God saying, are you going to do something? What are you going to do? And then God extends grace to Luke Frechette, and the angels say, what, Luke Frechette? And the grace is extended to the people of God and the angels are tripping. But the angels also see the men and women who reject the grace of God. And this angel comes alongside and says, okay, John, let me explain a few things to you. And let me just put this application out there. Do you guys have questions right now? Anybody have questions about life? Questions about what's going on? If you ask God, he'll tell you. A lot of people, I do pastor or counseling and people say they don't know what God wants for their lives. And I usually just kind of wince. I'm like, really? Well, how hard are you listening? How hard are you asking? Now they're getting counsel from a pastor. That's kind of cool. But if you ask the Lord, here's John looking. God sends an angel. Hey, go. John looks like he's confused. Would you go tell him what's going on? Go explain the mystery of Babylon to him. Do that for John. And I just, as a matter of fact, time out. Here's one of the reasons why so many people say they can't hear God. Listen, this is going to hurt coming in for crash landing. One of the reasons why most people say they can't hear God is because they actually know what he's saying. They just don't like it. I don't know what God wants me to do. My marriage is super tough. <laughs> he wants you to humble yourself, dum-dum. He wants you to wash your spouse's feet and love them and cover them and grace them. He wants you to apologize and stay in it to win. That's what he wants. Yeah, but it's tough. I, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, you do know what to do. Anyways, sorry, I digress. God will tell you what to do through his word. Okay, this word's pretty. <laughs> if people don't know what to do and you've been re you just haven't been looking, 
or listening. God speaks through his word, through his spirit, and through his people. I'm going to read it again. I'm not making this stuff up. It says, then one of the seven angels who had, who had the seven bowls, this guy knows what's going on. He came and talked with me saying, come and I will show you. Then he describes this Babylon. Now I'm going to go into something crazy in just a minute here. And I can teach this in a couple different ways. One way would be to teach to a college class that there's going to be a test later and there's going to be historicity and values and typology and symbols. And it's very important that you guys commit this to memory because I'm going to test you. <laughs> Nobody's getting tested today, so I'm not going to teach this like a college class because there's not, not you're not a college class. So I'm going to teach this in a way that I believe is more applicational, more instructional for your life because we're all going to go out here from this wherever you're at and do stuff today, and we want to make sure that our hearts are linked to the King of Kings and haven't been taken hostage our hearts by the political, religious, and commercial systems of this world. Guys, Babylon, Babylon, the mystery. Babylon, we all know what Babylon means. Chant down Babylon, you know, Bob Marley. We know those Babylon songs in our repertoire, you know. And Babylon's in Iraq. We know that Saddam Hussein was actively rebuilding Babylon, spending millions and millions of dollars. And it's a historical city in Iraq there. You can go visit it today. And Babylon, but Babylon is so much more than that. As a matter of fact, Babylon is mentioned in the scriptures 287 times. The city of Jerusalem is mentioned over 800 times. They're the two most prominent cities in the Bible, Babylon and Jerusalem. And let me just make sure you know this applicationally. It's as if God is in heaven saying, Jerusalem, my holy city, my people, and everything everything else other than my people is Babylon. Not just Babylon the city, but Babylon the system, Babylon the spirit, Babylon the idea, Babylon, anything. Listen, this is so important before we get out of control here. Anything that takes precedence or replaces or gets in the way of your relationship with God is from the Babylonian spirit. That is, it's, it's contrasting. It's different. And in some places, it's not just contrasting, it's confrontational. It's actually against God. Now, let me make sure you hear me. There are some things in this world that are sinful against God, and there are some things in this world that just aren't helpful. Okay, Paul said all things are profitable, are are, uh, permissible. But he said, not all things are profitable. They don't help you. He went on to say, let the the sin and the weight that so easily entangle you, get rid of it. The sin would be Babylon in our hearts and the weight would be things that just get in the way of God. Let me give you just a quick history lesson because it's important you understand this. Babylon, it's gonna be destroyed in chapter 17 and 18. God's gonna take care of it. As a matter of fact, Look at verse one again. I want you to see the promise here. He says, come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Many waters means that there's not just one source, but there's many. With whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk and the, with the wine of her fornication. Number one, I want you guys to hear this, especially right now when you're probably a little bit frustrated with our government and with policies and with restrictions and with what the current flavor. John was too, even more so. Not only when he sees this future vision, like, what? But when he saw his current situation, it was like, what? And so what's the angel say? God's got a plan. He's got a plan. Hey, John, oh, you want to see the judgment? I'll show you the judgment. And if you know there's a judgment coming, if you know God's got it handled, you know God can handle Portland, God can handle, you know, our mayor, God can handle Salem, God can handle Newport, God can handle the schools, God can handle the virus, God can handle China. You know God can handle it? Whew. Man, I can have a barbecue then and love the people I'm next to. I can live my life right. So John's astonished. And the angel says, let me just show you. God's going to judge him. He's got a plan. Judge you, Babylon. 
Babylon, Babylon the Great, the mystery that sits on many waters. Okay, quick history lesson. I'm going to talk fast because I've got a whole chapter to get through. The first time we ever see false worship in the scriptures is right out of the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel, the first two spawn of Adam and Eve, come to worship God. And let me stop and say it this way. Everybody who's ever created is a worshiper. You're a worshiper. You're made that way. Whether you're worshiping wrong or right is left to be said, but you're a worshiper. You give your allegiance. You give your faith. You give your peace. You give your attention to something. And anything that gets in the way of God is from the Babylonian spirit. And so Cain and Abel both came to worship God. And Abel showed up and he's like, you know, all I got is this lamb and I killed him. And there's blood. And I'm giving it to you as an offering. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with sacrifice. And, and blood it was a foreshadowing of Christ. And God says, nailed it. You got it. And then Cain shows up and Cain's like, well, I did it a little differently. I grew some stuff. I harvested some stuff. I did some stuff. Here's my stuff. And God rejected Cain's offering. He says, oh, that's, that's of the Babylonian spirit. Your allegiance to your stuff, it was horizontal, not vertical. And God rejected Cain. You guys know Cain killed it. It was the very first act of worship. Listen, listen, this is important. It's the very first act of worship that was rejected. I say that because every act of sincere worship that doesn't go directly to God, from God, for God, even if it's sincere, political, commercial, religious, it's rejected. And it's offense. This is crazy. This is the whole story from the whole book. Shortly thereafter, God would flood the earth with Noah, and then Noah would have three sons, and his three sons would populate the earth. You guys know one of his sons' name was Nimrod, right? His grandsons. And Nimrod, Nimrod was against the Lord. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but ancient tradition tells us that he took a wife named Samaramis, and she had a virgin son, a virgin birth, I should say, named Tammuz. And they hijacked the virgin birth pre-story that was told in Genesis 3.15. I don't have time to teach it all. And they tried to take that worship under themselves, and Samaramis and Tammuz, and Tammuz, the son, dies. And he's dead for 40 days. And guess what he does, according to legend? Rises from the dead. And men and women worship him with 40 days of fasting that is now known as Lent in some traditions. And, and it's been carried over and things, and we've redeemed that now. And when we celebrate Lent, we give ourselves over looking for the resurrection of Jesus. And all these systems are in contrast if you're not redeeming them or careful to understand them through God's purpose. And throughout history, there has been attempts at people worshiping God by their own standards and according to their own systems. As a matter of fact, there's some crazy stuff out there, isn't there? Crazy ways to worship God. Do you know evolutionists worship God? Not the right God, lowercase g. They worship the God of creation, pantheism and pantheism, and they worship the world. And atheists and evolutionists, they worship, they're worshipers, and God says, that's a Babylonian replacement. It's from the wrong spirit. As a matter of fact, the Tower of Babel was in Shinar, which is a city planted by Nimrod in the olden days. And in Shinar is where they had the Tower of Babel. You guys remember the Tower of Babel? Remember the Tower of Babel? Yeah. When I was a kid, I'd read that, and they said they took bricks and mortar and asphalt, and they built a tower to the heavens in order that they would be able to live their lives autonomously and in contrast to God. They're going to be on their own. Now, when I was a kid, I used to think, man, how tall was that building? I don't think it was that tall. As a matter of fact, those buildings were like ziggurats, which were designed to worship the stars, astrology and the zodiac, in order to replace your relationship with God. All of that is being brought up into God's peer view now. And he's saying all that stuff. 
Everything outside of following me, there's evolutionists and atheists, pantheists and deists and Buddhists and Taoists and Islam and any other religion outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, again, to me, this makes so much sense. I've been around the block. I used to live in Ashland for 13 years. Ashland is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And in Ashland, every single person there is spiritual and religious. And they have these ideas. And I would meet with some of these people and say, what do you believe? And they would say, I believe. And they would tell me what they believe. And I was like, does anybody else believe that? Or are you alone in that? You know, you're crazy. And man, I would try and convince people of their, their lunacy through the scriptures. And yet God says there's so many Babylonian ways, political, commercial, and spiritual, that are designed by Satan himself to distract and to disconnect us from our true relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. It says, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Stop right there. Eyes up here. He carries him away in the spirit to the wilderness. The wilderness always speaks of judgment. When the children of Israel were judged for 40 years, they wandered through the wilderness. And here God says, yeah, the wilderness, man, it's dark stuff. And I'm going to take this woman. Notice this woman. There's a woman riding the beast. The woman is Babylon. She is the spirit of anything that is anti-Christ. She's not the anti-Christ. The anti-Christ is the beast. And this woman represents anything that takes the place of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It could be your moralism. There's moralistic therapeutic deists, people who do good because it feels good, and that's their God. And God says, that's, it's not right. That's the, the spirit of Cain. I reject that offering. And here she's being judged. Verse four, it says, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup. Stop right there. It keeps going, but stop right there. Man, this lady is all dressed up. She's got the gold and the, gold, the stuff and she's got this cup and she looks good. She looks really good. It goes on. It says that the cup she has is full of blasphemies and abominations and filthiness, verse 4, of her fornication. And it says in verse 5, on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. Talk about a name tag at a party. Hello, my name is... <laughs> you know, wait, let me do that again. Mystery, <laughs> Mystery Babylon, great mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. What? You might want to go to the DMV and get your name changed. Like... Guys, this is important, especially for Christians, maybe even for non-Christians who are wondering. And I've met lukewarm Christians who, who believe in, in love and they believe in peace and harmony and, and they, they even believe in God, like in a real loosey-goosey way. But then they also believe a bunch of chaos. They believe a bunch of a pantheism and they worship the, the world and the earth and, and they believe in, in weird doctrines and doctrines of demons. And they believe weird stuff. And, and God says, hey, just so you know, it might actually look really good on the outside. Like, it, it actually will. Every lie that I've ever believed has a lot of good kind of intertwined. There's a lot of good stuff there as well. And then comes the stuff, the actual lie that makes it a lie. The, and, and heaven describes to us and declares to us, hey, just so you know how I see it, <laughs> the name is clear, the cup. That which, what she drinks and that's what, that what she offers to everyone else is full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And she's the mother of harlots. Again, she's the mother of harlots because this isn't one system. This isn't one idea. This isn't one denomination. But it's every idea, every system, and every denomination, whether in any Protestantism or Catholicism or Taoism, any belief system, listen, 
that doesn't take you to Jesus himself. You know there are churches right now all over America that gather, churches everywhere. They sing, they they study, but they don't actually connect with Jesus Christ. We studied this in Revelation chapter three. Jesus said to the church there at Laodicea, he said, hey, I want to come in. Let me into my church, you know. I stand at the door and knock. He wasn't saying that to non-believers. He was saying that to churches, people. And so while this is going to happen in the future and I'm not going to be there as a Christian today, I want to learn from this and say, Lord, is there, is there any systems in my own life that have taken the place, the preeminence of Christ? And any things that are maybe even good, they look good on the outside, they're not super bad, but the Lord says, Eesh, ugh, ugh, that's going to be judged. It's going to kill you. It says, verse six, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with amazement. Not only is this system, this religious, political, commercial system, destroying lives and leading people away from Jesus, but it's actually killing people. The woman was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs, and he marvels when he sees this. We live in actually a peaceful time, believe it or not. Believe it or not. Contrasting to history. When John was writing this, tens of hundreds of thousands of Christians were being martyred, burned at the stake. Why? Because they were bad people? No, because they said, I believe in Jesus. Oh, you do? Okay, come with us. We're going to feed you to the lions. Caesar Nero had passed. Caesar Domitian was in charge at this time. Caesar Nero was one of the weirdest, craziest men ever to live. We're going to see his name come up in just a few minutes here. Caesar Nero would take Christians in that day and say, oh, you're the, you follow the Lamb of God? And he would take lamb skins and carcasses of animals, and he would dress Christians in lamb skins and then put them into the gladiator arena and let animals eat them. He said, oh, you're the light of the world. Cool, cool. Well, I'm going to put you on fire in my garden. He would take Christians alive, imprison them, and dip them in wax, and then take poles and spear them through their spine out the top of their neck while they're still alive and light them on fire in his garden. The light of the world. Heinous blood, drunkenness. And even this day, like I said, we, I'm in America. I don't know where you're at watching, but here in America, it's pretty peaceful. Every once in a while, someone sees my Jesus is real shirt and, you know, snarls at me like I'm a dumb dumb and makes me feel dumb. And that's about the extent of the persecution. I had one guy spit on my car one time, but I don't think it was because I was a Christian. But, you know, it's not that it's not that hard to be a Christian here. But in the future. And as things get intensify, have you noticed that Christianity, I was talking to my son about this today, about about 100 years ago, you would start class in school with the Pledge of Allegiance and some other rituals and, and then you would sing a song and you would pray it was very common pray right before school it's not a big deal it's what we do and then slowly something happened in various schools and they said well you know let's just not let's just not pray <laughs> let's not pray we can sing a song we can say a pledge of allegiance not un- one nation individual under god with liberty and justice for all we can say that and then slowly but surely they said let's just, let's just let's not do that and pretty soon they said not only let's not do that in our country they said you know what let's let's make sure that that never happens let's outlaw prayer let's outlaw singing let's outlaw bibles in in, in schools let's take these these Ten Commandments off the Supreme Court wall. Let's, 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 let's erase God from the world. That's, it's slowly happening pretty soon. I don't know how bad it's going to get for Christians. Okay, I know historically it's pretty bad. And even globally, right now, Christian euthanization and people getting killed and, and ethnic cleansing in, in, in some spiritual name. I'll read it again. It says in verse 6, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. 
This is a spiritual system that is killing Christians and getting drunk. The idea of getting drunk means that they're receiving pleasure. They're getting high on this activity. And it turns your stomach a little, but you can also imagine. Well, John here is watching. He's, look at what it says in verse 6. I marveled with great amazement. That doesn't mean he's like impressed. It means he's tripping like, no way. So what's the angel do? But the angel said to me, why did you marvel? This angel's funny. I'm going to talk to this angel. I will tell you the mystery of the woman of the, and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Stop right there. This angel sounds like a good guy. He's trying his hardest. He's like, John, I see you're kind of tripping again. I showed you the judgment. Your mouth's on the ground. I'm going to go ahead and explain it to you. Now, the way he explains it is one of the funniest explanations I've ever heard in my life. I'm going to try my best to teach it to you guys, but it's called Mystery Babylon, and by the time we're done, it's still going to be a mystery, okay? We're going to go ahead and <laughs> check this out. I'm just going to read it because it's so funny. It says, the beast that you saw. Here's the angel talking. <laughs> this angel's had all of eternity to figure this out, by the way, so he's like cheating. He says, the beast that you saw was and is not. Oh, and he will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth, they will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the earth. And when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, here's the mind which has wisdom. He's saying, John, his eyes are rolling in the back of his head. Listen up, John. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the, the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue just a short time. I'll give him half hour. Verse 11, the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth. Hmm, check this out. But he's also one of the, of the seventh, and he's going to perdition. And the ten horns which you saw, and the ten kings who have not yet received their kingdom as yet, but have received authority for one hour as kings with the beast? Well, these are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. They're going to make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome, for he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. And then he said to me, the waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, they are the peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw of the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. Stop right at their eyes up here. John's like, all right, you want to, would you write that stuff down for me, angel? <laughs> I, got, I got to write this down and send it to my buddies. He's the seventh, he's of the eighth, and he's going to perdition. He was not, but he is. All right, all right, that all makes sense. That don't make no dang sense. But John wrote it down, and we're going to do our best to study it out. Because God wants us to know, number one, that the world needs judgment. I mean, it needs it. And number two, God's going to do it. This allows Christians, this would allow John on the island of Patmos to look for the return of the Lord, to trust in God, to let the chips fall where they may. Let's just study this quickly. I don't have that much more time, but I want you guys to at least understand the basics. The angel said, why do you marvel? Verse seven. He said, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her. Uh, I have the beast that carries her circled because it's a switch in the language and the vernacular describing their relationship. It used to say that the woman rode the beast. And now it says the beast carries the woman. There's two, there are two separate relationships. It started out with the woman riding the beast. She has the reins. She's in control. This woman is a Babylonian system. Any spirit, any idea, any platform that puts you separated from Jesus Christ, anything, it doesn't matter. It could be atheism, it could be creation. It could be whatever system you have that has no Jesus. And it starts out with you in charge. You have the reins. But eventually, you know what happens? You get carried away by that stuff. You're not in charge anymore. And now all of a sudden the beast, which is Antichrist, which is Satan, 
says, you know who's really in charge? I am. You thought you were in charge. This is how it works. This is how it always works. For every sort of deception and carnality and slippery slope against Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian, you're probably not the Antichrist. Good job. But you probably got some temptations in your life that are Antichrist. Antichrist means in place of Christ. And I guarantee you, you got temptations. You got stuff you're doing right now that is, is bringing you pleasure, it's bringing you joy, it's bringing you, you know, something, hope, just pleasure. And the Lord would say, careful, you're in charge. And if it's, if it's a weight that doesn't make you higher, if it's a sin and weight, you figure it out. And, and may the Lord give you discernment. John, let me give you wisdom. And while this is going to happen, and it's a little confusing, and I'm actually not going to pretend to know all of the t- uh, symbols of these images that John saw, I do know the principles of God are true and steadfast for your life and my life. If you play with fire, you are going to get burned. And so if you think you're in charge riding some beastly idea, you're actually being carried, and you're going to be carried to a crash and burn. So repent. Today's the day to repent. Come to Steak and Study tomorrow night. We'll learn about it more. We're going to, man, all the dudes are going to get fired up. Well, the beast that carries her, verse 8, and it says, it goes on, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. Now, the beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world that they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, this again is speaking of the Antichrist in the future. And yet the Antichrist in the future, I believe, is going to be typified, is going to be inspired, is going to be demonized by the same spirit that was demonizing and possessing, I believe, personally, Caesar Nero, the one that was and is not and yet will go to perdition and come out, the one that has and will live again. Guys, the things that Caesar Nero did, I I just described to you a few. Nobody can do those things without a serious takeover from the dark side. I mean, we all have our perversions and our weirdnesses and like, you know, stuff that goes through our minds. But to act on those things is satanic. And I believe that the same spirit that led Caesar Nero to murder six million Christians in the first century, the same spirit will be given to the Antichrist, which is going to be another dude, just like Nero, that will be empowered and inspired to do dastardly deeds. I don't know if that's the case. I'm not going to be dogmatic, but that's kind of where I believe will happen. Verse 9, here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. Most people believe that this points to ancient Rome. Rome was the city of seven hills. I'm not going to be dogmatic on that, but most people believe this happened in the Roman system. The Rome was in charge at that day. Verse 10 says, there are seven kings, five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. I'm not going to be dogmatic about this either. Most people believe this has to do with the Neros that were leading, Julius Caesar of Jesus' time, and then Caligula, and Tiberius, and you got Domitian, and Constantine. All these guys were probably the Romans who would bring 10 waves of persecution. We saw that earlier in the book of Revelation. Might be them. Some people say that these seven horns are also speaking of the nations, beginning with Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and the Medo-Persians and then Greece and then Rome would be six and the seventh has not yet come, this ruling nation that would be a Babylonian system. Who's that, that nation? I don't know. It says in verse 11, the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth 
and is of the seven and is going to perdition. We remember that we saw that the Antichrist will suffer a mortal wound during the tribulation period and will appear as dead and possibly even be dead and come back to life and he'll go to perdition and come back. Again, all this stuff is called the mystery Babylon on purpose and it's a mystery to me. Verse 12, and the 10 horns which you saw are the 10 kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they will receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. Stop right there, eyes up here. I think it was 1957. Um, I wasn't born yet. Some of you guys were... Anyways, I won't say anything about that. So 1957, the European Union founded for the first time the EU, and they brought themselves together. There was like seven nations, and, and they, they co coalesced together, and they've been coalescing together. And right now, currently, the EU, the European Union, has 27 nations. Most believe that that's the fulfillment of Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 17, where the 10 toes of Daniel's vision, of Nebuchadnezzar's vision, will come to fruition, where there'll be this reunification of the European Union, the EU coming together, 10 nations solidifying and leading. I don't know how that 27 is going to be whittled down. Uh, all this is after the rapture. You guys got to understand, after the rapture, everything is going to change, and a godless environment will now rule and reign. Which, by the way, if you've ever been to Europe or studied the European uh, fabric of, of society, it is by and large, largely godless. The churches in Europe, man, they have just, they have, they have, Europe where it is now is a preview of where America is going. As you continue to start removing God from society, and we just, man, we just don't have room for that. We'd rather just follow our own wanton ways and do our own things. Well, we see this 10 kings coming together. Verse 13, and I'm almost done. It says, these are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. They're gonna be unified, an unholy union. These, verse 14, will make war with the lamb. Stop right there, eyes up here. Throughout the scriptures, the Bible teaches that the ways of the world are at enmity with the Lord. The worldly system is crazy. It's crazy. From the very beginning of time, the world has bent itself away from God and has been obstinate towards the Lord. Most people don't want to understand this or acknowledge this. They just think that everything's happy and the most important the most popular philosophy in our world today is it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Have you heard this before? <laughs> that is a direct offense towards God who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no way to heaven but through me. That's what Jesus said. And yet the world says, you know what? If you are sincere, if you believe, if you identify with this and you're sincere, man, you know what? Gold star, hall pass, you're it. That's okay. This idea, and that is a act of war against our God. Satan is at war. The world is at war. The systems of Babylon are at war against God. And if you're not careful, you're going to try and strike a peace treaty with some of these ideas and some of these systems. Did you know that war is the opposite of peace? Satan has no desire to make peace. He has no desire to lead you to some sort of you know, understanding and no desire to make a compromise and a joint agreement. It's war against God. This changes the way I live. This changes the way I see my own role and my own importance of how I'm supposed to love my wife, raise my kids, love my community. It's a war. Most people who go to war, they keep their boots on, okay? When in combat, they don't take their boots off because you never know when you're going to need to run. You never know when you're going to need to charge. And I believe in Christianity today, we need to remind ourselves 
This is, look at verse 14, I'm not making this up. These will make war with the lamb. Now let's read the rest of the verse though. And the lamb will overcome them for he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. I love verse 14. It's the only verse I love in chapter 17. It's the only, I'm not gonna say it's the only good verse in the Bible, you know what I'm saying? You know, but this verse, man, if you're gonna memorize any verses, don't memorize the verse about harlots and Babylon and you know, blood and all that stuff. Memorize verse 14 where it says that the Lord of lords, the king of kings, he wins and those who are with him are faithful, called and chosen. The angel interjects this idea in the midst of like the worst thing you've ever seen. He says, oh, oh, by the way, John, I see you're marveling. I see you're kind of tripping, you know. <laughs> Rightfully so. There's a woman drunk with the blood of the martyrs of the saints. These are your brothers and sisters. This is bad news. But don't forget. Don't forget. This is what makes my job. My job is to primarily, primarily reflect the goodness and the grace and the glory of God in everything I do. That, that's your job too, by the way. But a lot of people look at me when I'm doing my job. And, and so sometimes I get down and I get depressed and I get heavy and I forget how, and I don't, doing my job gets tough when I get my eyes off Jesus. But when I keep my eyes on Jesus, even in the midst of the chaos, man, it's fun. It's fun. Pastor Ryan was up here just recently singing worship. And as he was singing worship, it's, we haven't been able to sing worship in this way. And I could tell he was in the presence of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Singing that song, what? Woo! Are you kidding me? Getting choked up and freaking out because Jesus changes everything. And yet we forget. And so this angel's like, don't forget, man. We're the, you're the lamb. We'll overcome them. He's the Lord of lords, the king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. This is such a unique time to be alive. Don't miss it. Don't get all you know, discombobulated or distracted. Okay. Stay bright. Stay shining. Stay the light. Stay with Jesus. Do whatever you got to do. And if you're like me, man, you've been taking the long way around the block through the wilderness, getting tested. And I told Ryan, I said, man, sometimes when you're brand new at something, you're a rookie. And I kind of feel like, like we're veterans now. And a veteran compared to a rookie on a playing field, and the rookies are all over the place, you doing stuff and, you know, getting flags thrown on them, you know, and, and the veterans just steadfast, like Mike Singletary, Chicago Bears, number 50, go Bears, <sighs> veterans, and it's not, to be a veteran, Christian, to like grow, it, what, I, what I meant by this comment was, man, it's just, it's, it's that wisdom of the Lord, trusting in him, and it's a little less spontaneous and crazy than a rookie might appear. And I want to encourage you, Christians, to keep growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right now. Are you astonished? Are you amazed? May the angel of the Lord put his arm around you and say, hey, come here. Let me show you. Let me show you what I'm doing. Let me show you what I'm going to do so that you don't have to tap out on what I've called you to do. He goes on and he said to me, the waters, verse 15, which you saw where the harlot sits, those are the peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Again, it's important for you Bible students who've studied Revelation 17 and you want me to call out some specific denominations and groups of people that a lot of people love to pick on here. It says here that there are many people from this mother of harlots. Okay, being a harlot's one thing. Being a mother of harlots shows that this Babylonian system produces any denomination, any creed, any idea, any organization, any principle, any philosophy that separates you from Jesus Christ. Eh. It's going to be judged. It's going to be judged. 
It says, verse 16, and the ten horns which you saw in the beast. Oh, this is crazy. These will hate the harlot. They'll make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Guys, I've said this three or four times already. But the nature of sin is death. Okay? You think you're riding high, doing some stuff? It's going to end in death. Here there's this unholy union between this woman, this religious system, and she actually co-ops with the beast, which is Satan and the Antichrist. And in the last days, there'll be this unholy church that is birth has nothing to do with God and everything to do with humanity and humanism and peace and treaties and all of this. And eventually those people, those men and women who co-opt with this beastly idea, you know what's going to happen? They're going to be devoured. They're going to be eaten and made naked, burned. And we see this as they start out and yet God uses even their own wickedness to take them down. Look at verse 17 and verse 18, the sovereignty of God. It says, for God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. If you're a serious Christian, if you want to go a little deeper, just trip out on verse 17 later. Maybe get some decaf. Don't drink caffeine and read that verse. It's crazy. It says that God will put it into the minds of the men and women who are already rebelling against them. They're on the wrong side. And he's going to convince them that what they're doing is right. And they're going to take the mark of the beast. And they're going to walk in allegiance with the Antichrist. And they're going to march to Jerusalem in this peace treaty where there's peace in the Middle East. And all this is going to happen. They're going to think it's right. And all the while, Satan's sharpening his sword. And Satan is going to enact judgment. The beast is going to show his true colors and destroy humans and humanity in systems. Why? Because that's the wages of sin is death. And God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He's not up in heaven saying, yeah. Instead, he's saying, oh. And yet, God is so sovereign. This is important, by the way. God is so sovereign that he's able to use the crooked political religious commercial systems of the future to accomplish his will. He's been doing this forever. And he is using right now everything that's upside down. Okay? America's kind of crazy right now, isn't it? Like, I don't have any strong political views. You don't even need any. It's, it's politically, it's crazy. It's a, it's a powder keg, if you know what that means. It's ready to... Pull. And you know what God's doing? He's sovereign over it. He's sovereign. He wants you who are Christians to know what he says to do, to vote as a Christian, okay, to represent Christ, to connect with Jesus, to look beyond politics, to look beyond viruses, to look beyond restrictions, to look beyond all the horizontal stuff that God says, I put that in play for my purpose. And you as a Christian can shine brighter than anybody else during this time in the darkness because you have the light of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's what God is doing. Verse 18 says, And the woman whom you saw at the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. He gives a description. Chapter 18. I was going to go through chapter 18, but I don't want to uh, kill anybody during the service and make anybody's face melt and head explode. So we're going to get into chapter 18 in two weeks after our September 6th service. But here's the main point, the main takeaway for me. Man, this is nuts. When I read chapter 17, I was like, oh, maybe I should get somebody else to teach this because I don't want to teach this. This is crazy. And then I began to just trust the Lord and meditate and just say, Lord, would you encourage us through this message? Would you encourage us? Would you cleanse us? 
And I believe the Holy Spirit is doing a revival right now. Six months in, half a year into this quarantine, the house arrest, man, Lincoln County is one of the only counties in Oregon. There's like three counties in Oregon, only three that are in phase one still. Like, what? And we're going to go to phase two, hopefully by September 8th in Jesus' name. And then we're going to do our best to stay safe and yet move forward. And yet all of that aside, all of that under, okay, the war is happening. Are you mad at the war? Don't be mad. Instead, be glad. Look to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm going to close this out with prayer, and then we're done for the day. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. And I thank you for my friends that are gathered here. Lord, there's about 12, maybe 16 people here at the sanctuary today. I thank you so much, Jesus. And I thank you for the people that are watching online, my friends, my family. Lord, we need you, Jesus. And we look to your word. You're the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. The one who knows all things. The one who constructs and instructs all things. And in Jesus' name, we give our lives to you. And we say, Lord, would you light us up again? Would you anoint us with your Holy Spirit to be the church? Do not get distracted by the chaos. Maybe like John, we're just standing with our jaw on the ground, just astonished at what's happening. And you'd say, no, 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 no. Come here. I got stuff for you to do. God knows what he's doing. He will accomplish his word. And so, Lord, would you anoint us? And if you want to be anointed, if you want to be a Christian who's on fire, who's set aside, who's walking in obedience, who's available to the King of Kings, would you raise up your hand right now, just wherever you're at, to Jesus? Make it an act of worship. My eyes are closed. I don't even know who's raising their hand. Mine is here. I feel the Lord stirring me up saying, Luke, don't get lazy. Don't get lackadaisical. Don't get distracted. Don't get mad, but instead continue to make yourself available to me. Cain brought an offering to the Lord that was rejected. Don't bring an offering of yourself, Luke. Abel showed up with blood on his hands and he said, all you have is this lamb. It's all about Jesus. Raise up your hand if you're a Christian you want to live your life all about Jesus. You don't want to get distracted by other people. You don't want to get overwhelmed with what you can and cannot do, but instead you want to be delivered from all fear and walk with Jesus. My hand is up too. Lord, would you see our hearts and would you do a work in us? We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, feeding us with manna in the wilderness, feeding us with water from the rock, Lord. All you've done with our audio and video stream, Lord, we thank you. All the friends that I've met, the new people that are watching all over the world, Lord, we thank you. Lord, you fed us. You've given us food like you did to Elijah there with the raven feeding him by the brook. Lord, would you continue to put your hands down? Would you continue to feed us and guide us and direct us and use us, Lord? Bless the events coming up this week, Lord. The men's event tomorrow night, Calvary Chapel, Corvallis, 6 p.m., Lord, bless it. And bless the CR group here, Lord, and the women's Bible study on Wednesday and the youth group events and all the stuff that's happening. We love you. We need you. Lord, would you make us ready for your soon return? Help us to keep our eyes on heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you guys. Hey, don't forget September 6th. That's next Sunday. It's going to be outdoors, not 9 o'clock. If you show up at 9 o'clock, we're just going to put you to work. We're going to give you a broom and have you sweep something. It's at 11 o'clock, okay? You can show up whenever you want, but 11 o'clock, you're going to get dropped off, go park somewhere else, and then you're going to post up in physical distance outside with your blankets and chairs, whatever you got to do, bring your hammocks and cabanas. It's going to be legit, and we're going to have stages set up. And we're going to worship the Lord from 11 o'clock until we're done. Other than that, God bless you guys. Check out our brand new app as well. Go to the App Store on Android or on iPhone and type in South Beach Church and download that as we continue to add content and build on that weekly. Our website also, southbeachchurch at gmail.org. Check that out. Email us at southbeachchurch at gmail.com. I love you guys. God bless you. We will see you very soon. Let's give it up for the tech crew. God bless you.